Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include predictions from Fannie Mae's Economic and Strategic Research Group, my interview with Nathan Lee from Richie May on risk mitigation, and how bond auctions don't always move rates. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Richie May. Richie May is a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry and in banking. The firm has also consistently been recognized as one of the fastest growing firms in the country and has been named to the Housing Wire Tech 100 in mortgage, accounting today firms to watch, and the fastest growing firms and an excellence in firm culture by inside public accounting several times. To experience how Richie May can help you transform your mortgage business, visit RichieMay.com. Fannie Mae's Economic and Strategic Research Group, or ESR, released its latest economic outlook. Here are some key points. The ESR group's expectations for inflation were upgraded meaningfully in the near term to average 6.2% on an annual basis in the fourth quarter. The forecast anticipates the recent price gains to begin to moderate over the coming quarters as temporary factors begin to wane. But the buildup of stronger, underlying inflationary pressures suggests that inflation will remain significantly above the Federal Reserve's 2% target through 2023. So, the Fed is expected to begin hiking its target rate in 25 basis point increments beginning in the fourth quarter of next year. However, if inflation continues to exceed expectations, there is increasing risk that the Fed will begin raising interest rates even earlier. The principal risks to the forecast remain the pace of global supply recovery, the availability and cost of labor, and the extent of federal monetary and fiscal largesse. Regarding residential originations, the ESR group expects purchase volumes to total $1.9 trillion in 2021, followed by 6.8% growth in 2022 to $2.0 trillion. Refinance volumes of $2.5 trillion are projected in 2021 before slowing in 2022 and 2023 to $1.3 trillion and $1.1 trillion, respectively. Finally, owing in part to the expectation that the Fed will begin to raise interest rates later next year, the ESR group expects the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage rate to average 3.3% in 2022 and 3.5% in 2023. I'm pleased to welcome back onto the show Nathan Lee from Richie May. Nathan has served in a variety of capacities during his 17-year tenure at Richie May including leading the firm's overall practice growth strategy, as well as the firm's national mortgage banking practice. He currently leads Richie May Advisory, the firm's practice dedicated to risk assurance and advisory, integrated risk management, data analytics, intelligent automation, technology, and more. He also continues to maintain an active role in the mortgage industry and is a regular contributor to the firm's mortgage banking technical literature. Nathan's experience and his passion for building and serving clients is well known we are pleased to have him back on the podcast today. Hey, Robbie, how's it going? Good, how you doing, Nathan? Doing well. You've been on the show a lot, Nathan. We seem to talk about football a lot when I have guests from Richie May on the podcast. I had Mignon Davis on last time. We talked about her undefeated Arizona Cardinals. What positions were you when you played football? How would you describe your playing style? I was a receiver. And, and also played, if I was playing on the other side of the ball, I, I also played cornerback. So the cornerback position is kind of near and dear to my heart. Played other positions, but, uh, but mostly those. 
would you describe yourself as a ball hawker, a hard hitter, or what a trash talker? What was what was your uh, mo? Uh, no, I probably I probably say mostly uh, mostly a ball hawk. Um, you know, tried to tried to just use speed to you know be where I needed to be and and uh, get myself in the middle of the action and create some opportunities for the team. And um, so no, I wasn't a particularly hard hitter. wasn't wasn't all that big back then, and and uh, definitely not now. <laughs> Well, I think there's something to be, there's a mortgage analogy to be made about speed and beating people to the ball and, and being on yeah. your toes. So that, yeah, that translates well. And I know you have a specific way of talking about risk mitigation. Why do you say that process and technology are the two cornerbacks you need as an independent mortgage banker to mitigate risk? You know, we all know that the attorney general's office, the CFPB, the OCC, state regulators are partnering together in ways we haven't seen before. They're, they're aggressive. The efforts are coordinated among them, and they're focused on addressing redlining, other fair lending, fair servicing concerns, among a host of other things. And you know, while that can definitely put everyone back on their heels, it also represents an opportunity to consider ways to leverage technology uh, to drive efficiency at the same time, focusing on compliance and I use an analogy that's familiar to a lot of us. Uh, in football, a cornerback, you know, is a member of the def- defensive backfield. Cornerbacks cover receivers most of the time, but they also blitz, defend against running plays. Um, but perhaps most importantly, they try to create turnovers, and in doing so, uh, try to actually generate some some offense or contribute to the generation of offense. And, and so they defend, yet simultaneously try to score. Uh, or at least at a minimum, get the offense back on the field. So I, I like to think of risk management much the same way. We can definitely, we definitely need to focus on compliance. We need to ensure that we are following all of the applicable rules, uh, legislation that needs to be a part of our everyday business. But we can also leverage technology. Uh, we can also look for ways to streamline operations and efficiency uh, to ensure consistency and accuracy across the organization. And those things can actually lead to, to efficiencies within operations. And so there, there can be some, quote unquote, offensive benefits to focusing on the operational side of the house and, and looking at ways to make improvements. So it can, it can help in times when margins are tighter, which is the case now. Uh, it can also help retain and, and attract talent because, as we know, employees are attracted to companies that leverage technology and uh, that use it to get and stay ahead. And that, that brings people, uh, it attracts those that, uh, that are interested in being a part of a company that is uh, progressive, forward-looking, innovating, uh, around technology and and so there really are uh, there really are some opportunities that are in this even though compliance can seem daunting can seem overwhelming can seem scary uh, there are some opportunities that uh, that if companies are paying attention to they can improve how can process design and workflow mitigate risk where where do you even start you know typically the first place to start for companies going to be around uh, a risk assessment. So doing a a risk assessment that takes into account things like fair lending, uh, 
fair servicing, looks looks at you know data security, information security, the protection of consumer data. And so once that once that risk assessment is performed and the areas of risk are, are identified, then gaps are identified where controls need to be enhanced or improved uh, to ensure compliance and to mitigate risk. And so those controls and the related processes can then be, be established. And I think it's important when, when designing those processes that companies consider both the, the human element as well as the, the technology or the computer or software element. Uh, since technology is increasingly performing more origination and servicing tasks within the business. You know, I've, I've heard it said that fewer people with good tools can do more than more people with bad tools. And so having good technology is critical to the success of lenders going forward. We all know that, and companies are making significant investments in the technology, um, but it also factors into companies' risk assessments and the, the controls and processes they've put in place to ensure that, that technology isn't introducing more risk to the organization. And so company leaders and operators need to pay really close attention to those risks and how to mitigate those. Once they've performed a risk assessment, they've identified the, the risks, uh, put controls and process in place, and they need to have a a process for testing the efficacy of those controls and compliance with those controls. And that really falls to the internal audit function, whether it's being done in-house or is being outsourced to a third party. The internal audit program should be robust enough to cover and address compliance, uh, data security, and other technology risks that uh, the companies have as part of their business today. Next, I would say, how do those controls then filter throughout the entire organization? Are they designed to allow for efficient business operations without being too intrusive or cumbersome, getting in the way of doing business, um, which would be the equivalent of just playing defense rather than also looking for opportunities to generate some offense, uh, or are they just looking for ways to leverage what they do around risk assessments, internal controls to, uh, to, to ensure compliance, or are they also looking for opportunities to streamline operations and improve the way they do business? Uh, today, for example, uh, I think companies could start with the basics and consider the enhancements that can be made to, to their vendor management or third-party risk management process. That's one that, that I see a lot of companies really focusing on because there's, there's opportunity there not only for ensuring compliance, but also improving the efficiency of that process and, and helping to ensure that they're working with strong counterparties that don't introduce or create additional risk to the organization. And so... You know, really, again, taking advantage in each of these areas and, and looking for ways to, to ensure that uh, while remaining compliant, there aren't things that are put in place that get in the way of doing business, that they enhance the business and enhance the, the company's opportunity to succeed in the future. 
I'd say technology and risk are both buzzwords in this industry. We hear about them a lot, but I think companies can do a better job. So how can the technology stack at an independent mortgage bank actually mitigate risk? And kind of in, in your opinion, where are we as an industry on the promise of technology transformation? Yeah, that's a great question, Robbie. And um, one that I know a lot of people are uh, talking about uh, over the last couple of years because technology has been a, a significant area of focus for many companies now for several years. And, and in addition to technology and more broadly, there's definitely been a focus on automation. Uh, and I would say that digital transformation or, or automation might be used as synonyms there. Uh, it's lagging behind what, would, what is seen in other consumer products, consumer services businesses. The big guys, including uh, the companies that have gone public over the last uh, year, year and a half, are investing big money in this area. And they don't look at it just as, as an expense. It represents opportunity to capture more market share, to uh, improve profitability and so on. But it's also a part of risk management since it drives consistency and accuracy and removes human subjectivity. It, it also creates greater scalability uh, between uh, allowing companies to adapt to the changes in volume as a result of, of declines or increases in interest rates. Uh, it also improves recruiting and retention uh, because, as I mentioned before, uh, employees are attracted to organizations that are leading or at least out relatively in front as it relates to technology. And so I would say the industry is, is lagging, but there are there's tremendous benefits associated with the use of technology and automation because it really does help to ensure compliance across the board because it removes that 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 human element the human error and the inconsistency that can creep in or that often is already present in organizations and so we see that a lot in the work that we do with clients uh, particularly around automation and reviews of, of app stacks and, and leveraging integrations between systems to move data from one to the other rather than having people key it from one system to another because that can obviously result in errors. And so in the work that we do around automation, uh, that really is one of the big drivers and one of the things that companies are, are very focused on in addition to just the, the efficiencies that are created, the reductions to cycle times and so on, and, and potential for profitability enhancement, that they're also really focused on, on the compliance side of it as well. And so we see that in the work that we do around automation. Any concluding thoughts while I have you here on, on what a company can do today to get started? We touched on that a little bit, Robbie, but I, I think what I would what I would also encourage companies to do is there there's always that inertia that needs to be overcome to, to just get started. And companies sometimes will, will kick the can down the road because they feel like, well, I'm never going to get selected for, for a CFPB audit or what have you. And so they, they, they tend to put, the, put their heads in the sand, so to speak, and ignore the 
the, the compliance requirements and the risks associated with non-compliance. Um, so I would say just make sure that the risks are, are appropriately understood and that, that you start now, you just get started. And as you complete that risk assessment, the internal audit process, consider some of the new risks uh, that are introduced in the organization with technology, figure out what those risks are, um, figure out who's responsible for mitigating those risks, make sure that it's well understood, that they know they have the responsibility to do it and follow up to make sure that progress is being made. And, and don't wait to get started. Uh, the time to get into compliance is now. Uh, well, actually, I, I'd say it was many years ago, but now is the next best time. So get started, don't delay, uh, don't be a victim of the inertia that can sometimes get in the way of making progress and getting started. And um, it's gonna be important, the important part of the business going forward. Uh, uh, everybody's going to need to comply. It's not going away. And uh, technology is going to become more and more a part of what we do. It's kind of like, even if you feel like you've missed the boat on compliance, it's better to start now than it is to continue to kick the can down the road. Is that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Well, uh, at, at the risk of prematurely saying this to you, I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Likewise. Thanks, Robbie. It's been great to spend a few minutes with you. Turning to mortgage rates, sometimes a shaky bond auction by the U.S. Treasury causes prices to drop and rates to rise. Sometimes not. That was the case yesterday as an underwhelming Housing Starts report for October overshadowed the day's lackluster $23 billion 20-year bond auction. That housing figure came in at $1.52 million due to residential construction's ongoing challenges procuring higher-priced materials and labor, making even started homes hard to finish. Some would argue, given that the shortage of housing in the U.S. has been going on for years, these numbers south of 2 million cannot be blamed on recent supply chain shortages. Housing starts have remained around the same average level since my dad was born in 1959, although the U.S. population has risen 85% since then. It is even more of an issue when the National Association of Realtors reports a shortage of about 5 million units, which is over three years of housing starts alone. While overall starts have declined for two straight months, the good news is that the overall pace of activity remains quite strong, and building permits were a bit better, rising to 1.65 million. Doug Duncan, chief economist at Fannie Mae, says that, quote, both data series tend to be volatile, so too much shouldn't be read into this past month's movement. Permits, which tend to be more stable and representative of underlying trends in construction, moved up 2.7% over the month for single-family and up 6.6% for multifamily. The report is largely in line with our current near-term forecast of a modest increase in starts over the fourth quarter. Total units under construction, including multifamily units, were the highest since 1973. Demand for new housing remains robust given the lack of existing homes for sale, and continued house price appreciation is supportive of more construction. We expect an increase in the number of homes bought to completion next year as builders work through their backlogs, but our forecast is for only a modest rise in starts next year due to capacity constraints. If builders somehow work these out in a more timely manner, however, demand is currently sufficient to support a considerably higher pace of starts than what is occurring. End quote. 
Weekly jobless claims this morning came in at 268,000, down 1,000 from last week. And Philadelphia Fed manufacturing for November came in at 39, up from 23.8, an unexpected increase. Later this morning brings October leading indicators, Freddie Mac's primary mortgage market survey, the Kansas City Fed composite index for November, and another host of Fed speakers. The desk is scheduled to purchase up to $5.6 billion of 30-year 2% and 2.5% MBS over two operations, and up to $1.6 billion of long-duration treasuries. We begin the day with agency MBS prices roughly unchanged from Wednesday night, as is the 10-year yielding 1.60%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. A week away from Thanksgiving? My family told me to stop telling Thanksgiving jokes but I said I couldn't quit cold turkey. (laughs) I'd like to thank today's sponsor, Richie May. For over 30 years, Richie May has been deeply involved in the mortgage industry to bring solutions and innovation through advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry and in banking. To learn more about how Richie May can help you transform your mortgage business, visit richiemay.com. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.